This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, March 22, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. Today, the federal government was to have met Apple in court as the Fed seek to compel the company to construct software to defeat its own encryption. Republican California Congressman Daryl Issa is part of a new encryption working group in Congress. Yesterday, we spoke about Apple, encryption, and other issues. In the Apple case, we've had a number of statutes passed that clearly could have envisioned Apple being forced to turn over these codes or make them available. We didn't do it. And so when we had opportunities on legislation that was modern, that was at least could be considered to be uh, aware of encrypted encryption technology, we did not take action. We considered it. We talked about it. We didn't do it. And so the idea that the All Writs Act, uh, a 1790 <laughs> legislation, should be applied is something that I think the courts are going to reject uh, when it gets to the Ninth Circuit. Uh, but one of my concerns is, is more basic. Statutes, whether done by Congress or not, still have to pass the test of the First, Fourth, and Fifth Amendment. And what they're asking Apple to do, what they demanded that uh, that lava uh, lava I always get that I have to laugh lava bit uh, what they demanded they do is inconsistent with the basic constitutional principles and that's where you have to look at I, I'd be candid the late Justice Scalia when he said more or less that the Constitution anticipated some criminality in exchange for liberty. Americans have to ask the basic question of, do we have to be able to solve every crime? Do we have to be able to successfully get every bit of data that might have stopped a terrorist attack or might have uncovered a crime? Or is there a balance? And is that balance being challenged by a government who wants to know everything about you and wants you to have very little access to anything about them? You've been very critical of uh, not just the Department of Justice with respect to Apple, but also how the media has discussed the fight between DOJ and Apple. So uh, what does the media get wrong about the case between Apple and uh, this encryption fight? The media gets wrong something that reporters, if they think about it, will realize if they can crack Apple, then they can start listening to and following at least the metadata and then perhaps the entire email chain of every single conversation that the media, that our, our journalists are having. Because, of course, it's fair to find out via warrant if you're talking to a, uh, somebody in government who may be violating the law by telling you about something the government's doing that's unlawful. And if you look at Watergate or any of the other famous uh, investigations that uncovered wrongdoing in government, they depended on a whistleblower secretly getting and feeding information to somebody, either in Congress or the like, and yet an administration that has tapped uh, the journalist, that has uh, even tapped the family of journalists in the case of uh, Mr. Rhodes, or taken data off of Di Senator Dianne Feinstein's computer because they were looking for a leak within the CIA that was leaking to a senior U.S. senator. This is the group that would have you believe that they can be trusted with the back doors to every piece of encryption around the world. The Department of Justice has repeatedly said we're not looking for a back door. We're not trying to break Apple's encryption. And from what I can they tell, <laughs> from what I but from what I can tell, uh, reporters generally just 
they say that. They report. They repeat it. Reporters don't see the. They don't have the appropriate fear. They don't see what's really happening. And you know, I'm a kid that grew up reading uh, Atlas Shrugged and and Fountainhead, looking at the extreme example of if we continue with bad practices, where we'll end up. And if you look at, if you will, 1984, we're here. We now have the ability in the world of the Internet of Things, we have the ability to track everyone's whereabouts. We have mics that can be made hot on your phone, on your Echo at home, on your television, so they can see and listen to you everywhere. So we have a capability. And now that we have the capability, how will we prevent our government or other governments from abusing that power? And that's really what we're dealing with in a number of cases that are either before the courts who have already been before the courts. All right. So the message that you talked to NPR's David Green recently, and the clear message was that the government lies to you. Um, uh, before we started recording, you, you talked about how the government does its absolute level best to prevent the public from uh, knowing about what it is doing, which uh, feeds very crudely into uh, you know narratives about totalitarian government. Well, and this is the power of a large federal government. Uh, they can spend literally billions on propaganda, websites that look great, uh, press uh, releases and other information that comes out talking about what they want you to know. Well, in fact, everyone from the former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton uh, to people involved in Solyndra are doing everything they can to in, in evade you're knowing what they're saying when they're doing something wrong or at least misleading the public. And it's critical that, that in fact, we reverse this trend. The American people have a right to know what, where their dollars are being spent and what people in government are saying. It's not the other way. And it's not a new case. Uh, decades ago in, in Alabama versus the NAACP, a case that decided the freedom to secretly associate Again, the freedom to secretly associate was ratified. Now, it happened to be the NAACP and those who wanted to break up the donor base of the NAACP that were going after the list. Well, what's the difference between that and knowing that you and I are talking or that a hundred of us have formed a group not to take down our government but to talk about the injustice of our government? If you can track one, you can track them all. And yes, we had an FBI director who came before our committee, and he was talking about one terrorist who was dead. But in that, he was very telling. He started talking about all the other cases, uh, 175 of them in New York alone. This is not a capability to be used once, and, and Apple is not one company. Uh, in the case of LavaBit, they went out of business after they were ordered to essentially render their product useless by turning over the keys to what had previously been a secure ability for you and I to email. Essentially saying your business model is not – doesn't meet, meet our needs. Again, your government wanting to drive out anyone who will not meet their needs. And, you know, just to uh, put it in perspective, people talk about a slippery slope. Well, let's talk about one. We get the, all these back doors and these back doors are mandated. Then that takes care of national security, a terrorist. Next thing you know, of course, it's a drug bust. We had the uh, 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 the district attorney from New York who said he needed it for all of his drug cases. Well, now the next thing we get into is a disgruntled ex-wife in a child uh, custody case. Why can't they use it? 
no real difference between civil rights and criminal rights. And you, you keep going down to where it's simply a lawsuit between the two of us and I get to discover everything. Where do we stop in your ability to be private? You know, our founding fathers assumed that five people went into a room and they had a private discussion. In this day and age, what the courts are trying to be asked is, will you take away that right so that because you go in the room and there's a TV in the room, there's an echo in the room, well, then why can't we listen to you? Cannabis dispensaries uh, in the states that have legalized uh, marijuana for certain purposes have had difficulty operating within the banking system. The Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City has denied a master account to a credit union that was going to exist uh, largely for the use of uh, cannabis businesses. What problems does that pose and what, uh, what is the federal role in trying to accommodate businesses that are operating legally within their states? States have an ability to regulate for reasonable purposes the, the solvency of banks. The federal government has a greater role, obviously, and particularly federal banks and access to the Fed. All of that can be abused, and it has been abused ever since at least Operation Checkpoint, a choke point. Operation Choke Point was started off with a list that started with illegal activities, prostitution, pornography, but it also included, of course, check kiting, payday lending. And pretty soon what you realized was they were using a few illegal things to mask the fact that they were going to go after industries that they didn't approve of and highly regulated legal industries. Uh, marijuana sales is somewhat in the same boat. It's technically legal, but it's federally illegal. But let's operate. Let's go back to where Choke Point began. Choke Point began going after payday lenders, people who essentially were the, the lender of last resort for people. You and I may not like it, but there have been pawn shops and payday lending since Roman times. These were legal, they were regulated, and our government set about trying to close them. So the idea that they're taking something else that they don't approve of and driving it underground is both anti-American, you know, anti but it's also unproductive. If you make the marijuana sale business be all cash, all you're really doing is causing the likelihood that we can't follow and trace and collect proper taxes on something that states have determined should be legal. And you can imagine if the federal government logically kept going after, well, you know, we don't like Apple's politics, so you'll have to buy your Apple for cash. We don't like uh, uh, Pfizer's uh, attitude toward what they sell drugs for, so you'll have to buy those for cash. Is our goal really to go to, back to a cash economy? And where does the federal government get that authority? And the answer is they never had that authority. They're abusing their authority, and it's part of the problem of the Federal Reserve, which is supposed to be neutral, becoming part of an administration, and that's, that's their action. Daryl Issa is a Republican congressman from California. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.